0: Yeah. Good morning and welcome to Steve Wraith's True Crime podcast and uh, I am delighted to welcome a good friend of mine, Mr. Sean Atwood. The tables have turned, Mr. Atwood.
1: <laughs> I feel like I was on life support twice in the last week. But yeah, I mean that's now- why
0: we've got you on. I mean what a, what a week uh, it has been and I've sat watching on the sidelines going, wow, wow. This is major because you run one of the largest uh, podcasts in the UK, and suddenly uh, the powers that be at YouTube hit you with it, multiple strikes, and your channel had gone. Um, tell us, tell us what happened from from the very start, Sean.
1: So huge thank you to you, Steve. First for one of the people who just rose up and expressed your concerns to Twitter. Huge thank you to all of the other people, all of the followers, supporters, all the love that came from all over the world, contacting Twitter. I was absolutely blown away by it. And it's thanks to you guys that everything was restored twice. (laughs) So I believe that YouTube has an algorithm that's looking for certain words in videos and they're using the algorithm to wipe out conspiracy and QAnon channels, for example. So a lot of the work I do exposing, let's say reporting on cases like Epstein and helping victims of trafficking and abuse, a lot of the language we use parallels the language used in these conspiracy QAnon videos. So it seems that the algorithm struck us. We know it wasn't trolls because these videos have been deleted so the algorithm struck us on previously deleted videos. Then a human got to look at it. But my God, Steve, trying to get a human to look at it. I mean, I went up to Google's headquarters in London. I was at the door talking to the security woman. She was very polite. But um, all I ended up with was a business card. Here it is. <laughs> this is what they gave me contact Google support, which was was put me right back to the start. So, um, but yeah, in the end, you know, a human being did look at it because of the public outcry. And then the channel was reinstated. But as soon as it was reinstated, an algorithm took it down again. And some of the videos that were taken down, it was actually like Andrew Wallace, the guy who introduced the modern day slavery act in this country, Norman Baker, former MP, Maggie Oliver, ex-cop, Mike Tarragher, abuse victim. So at that point, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's all theoretical as to how it came about. But at that point, our leading theory was it's got to be the algorithm. So again, we got it in front of a human being and the human being restored it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's, you know, human nature eventually uh, over overcame the uh, the issues that you had um, What I will say is, this is live, right We've got, um, you know, we've got people who want to ask questions I am always going to say the same thing to anybody who comes to my show Please show um, anyone who you know comes on my show, the, the decency. You know, if you've come on to troll, you're wasting your time. You know, you're not going to get anything, uh, achieve anything from that. Um, and I'll just you know hide you from the channel, which is a pity because we do so many different things on this channel. Um, you know, Sean Atwood for me is somebody who gave me, like James English, a platform to talk about my story, promote my books, and, and essentially promote myself. And I, you know, for those of you who don't know, if you're a first-time visitor to the channel, I'm somebody who's written many books on different criminals, ranging from Stephen Sayers and the Sayers family, Paul Ferris in Glasgow, Brendan Quinn in Ireland, and Paul Massey in Manchester. And, um, you know, I've written and published many books, also uh, been involved in many documentaries with regards to the Crate Twins. So for for sean to get me on his channel which has a far greater reach than mine and it has to be said james english who did the same um from my perspective you know those guys uh, earned my respect for, for simply inviting me on for me i'm a nobody I always feel a, a, a nobody i'm I'm somebody who tells somebody else's story, uh, but they give me an opportunity to go on their channel and tell their story so you know anybody who um anybody who puts stuff on you know in the chat today i'm afraid if it's going to be against against me or Sean uh, we just ignore it you know so um I do want to give time to people who want to ask questions, uh, Sean. And um, I did put a call out for questions uh, last night, and got some great ones. So, so let's start getting to know you a little bit more for, for my viewers. And um, essentially, just just give a brief outline um, of what people can read in these books. Um, <laughs> okay. two, two of your two of your books, two cool. bestsellers, both available on Thank Amazon: you. Hard Time and Prison Time. Um, you know, tell us how you ended up in prison. So
1: it's a story of two people, really, two kids, myself and Wildman. I was two years older than him. And I took him under his wing when he was tiny. And um, we were just hanging out on the streets. But then all of a sudden, he just grew massive. Picked up a school teacher, put him in the bin. School was so scared of him. They had him outside raking leaves with the caretaker. So me, Wildman, and his cousin, Hammy, we used to go up to a tree called, the thinking tree overlooking a quarry at the top of our town. Peck's Hill at the top of Widness. And on the thinking tree, we formulated our life goals and ambitions. Wildman said he was gonna end up in prison because he had red dots in his head telling him to hurt people. And Hammy and, um, was saying, look, with all that stock market trading, you're probably gonna achieve your goal, Sean, of making all this money in America. And i was like, yeah, I'm gonna make a million in America in the stock market and fly you guys over. And my goal then as a kid was to have bring Wildman over, and I get him a job as a wrestler. So anyway, I went off to university, did my degree. Wildman goes to prison. I'm in America, five years, start to make some decent money, and then I flew Wildman over. Now, my job, um, my goal was to keep him out of trouble by putting him in a place near the George and Dragon British pub, thinking he'd just have a few beers and hang out with the expats. But he just started to like take control of the street people and the night people, had these constant parties going, and that's where I met members of the Russian mafia, uh, new Mac- Mexican mafia, gangbangers. It wasn't just gangsters, it was like Native American transsexual prostitutes. There was transvestites, I mean, he just made friends with absolutely everybody, and he's the one who opened the door for me into that world. He didn't last long on that first trip, he got uh, banned from America for being a menace to society he was on the rampage with a woman they were like Bonnie and Clyde that was the woman who liked her um, privates tasered and um, he, he got deported that time but I'd already made the connections then through him to build the criminal enterprise so wild man and wild woman did come back multiple times each over the years and everything just grew to the point where I'd quit the stock market trading and I was running a multi million dollar international ecstasy trafficking ring in competition with Sammy the Bull Gravano. And that geo has just looked at all my case paperwork again and just published the second documentary they've done with me. And it's just out uh, in the last month. It's called How E Busted the Bull, and it features Sammy the Bull's story versus my ecstasy ring.
0: Amazing, amazing story. I mean, it's well worth picking up these books, guys. Uh, prison time, hard time on the uh, on on Amazon. And, you know, well worth a read. Some great stories that uh, Sean has, you've lived a life. Um, i tell you who really made a big impression on me in your book, and that's um, it's Two Tonys. He's on the cover of that book there. Tell us a little bit about Two Tonys.
1: Yeah, so I ended up writing the life story of Two Tonys. Let me just see if I've got it here. And um, I was... Oh, yeah, here it is. I was moved over to a medium security facility where I didn't know anybody. This was about third year into my sentence. I was fighting my case for 26 months. And um, I got sweated by some people. And then my new cellmate, Long Island, he said, I'm going to introduce you to someone. Because he knew if he introduced me to two Tonys and two Tonys liked me, that... um, I would get protected by him. I, I would get under his wing. Because two Tonys was, uh, well, here's, here's how it went down. So Long Island says to me, I've got a friend. I'm going to arrange for you to play some chess with. I said, who is he? He goes, two Tonys. Said, "Like, all right, cool. What's he in for? Oh, he's an old school Italian mafia. you love him. He's a multiple homicide murderer. He's doing 141 years. He left the dead bodies of rival gangsters from Arizona to Alaska. But they all had it coming under the old mafia code, they didn't harm women or kids. The gangsters and two Tonys told me, you know, for them, it's like being in the military because two Tonys had been in the military. You sign up for the mafia, it's kill or be killed. That's fully understood. So two Tonys comes down the stairs. I'm all nervous. You know, this guy's serving 141 years, multiple homicides. What's going to happen if I beat you my chess? <laughs> well, i be on his hit list. So two Tonys comes down the stairs. He's like uncle junior. He's already done like 30 plus years. And um, I did beat him at chess. And he goes, oh, how come you beat me so quick? I said, because you kept speaking your mind throughout the interview. And he slaps his head. He goes, oh, me and my big mouth. And um, he says, Sean, you, you know, to stay alive on the road of life, I've had to become a quick judge of character. I like you. I think you're an honest person. Would you be willing to write my life story? So I didn't know, but he'd be testing me. And, he, and I said, yeah, I would be honoured. So for months, I was then sneaking into his cell to write um, his life story. But sadly, he he died before the publication of this um, from liver cancer in, in 2010. But he taught me so many life lessons, Steve, uh, stuff that I still fall back to on this day. And I remember the last conversation about the fence. I was in minimum security by then, and he came to the fence. And uh, he didn't say much but it was powerful, it was love and respect. And he, he, he had to walk away because the tears were rolling down his face and I've never seen him express any emotion. You know, he was um, very ready to kill someone at any time. Uh, during the course of the book, I asked him, you know, if someone was gonna come in your cell and kill you right now, what, how, what would you do? And I thought he would just tell me, I'm in his cell, I thought he would just explain what he would do. But he jumped up, grabbed a filament, from attached to a stinger, a heating filament, an electrical cord, jumped behind me, put it around my neck, tightened it, and, you know, 10, 20 seconds in, I'm starting to see stars and, and, and lose consciousness. So, yeah, he was, um, there's a whole chapter on how he whacked people, got rid of the bodies. Um, he said that sometimes you would bury a corpse and then put a dead dog above it, so that if the cadaver dog came out, it would just hit on the dead dog and they wouldn't dig for the corpse. But working for the Bonanno crime family under Joe Bonanno, earlier in his career, Joe Bonanno, he just invested in funeral homes. So they had double-decker coffins that have the real person who died and then they'd have a, a mafia victim who would, would be the second corpse in the coffin.
0: What was Sammy the Bull like? Um I mean I've read a lot about John Gotti. Um obviously followed that case with interest, watched uh you know watched you know the case develop. Obviously Gotti went to prison for life, died in jail. But uh, Sammy the Bull, um fascinating story. Um what what was uh, your interactions with him like?
1: So, I absolutely love Sammy the Bull's YouTube channel. I was watching it just before this interview actually. And him and Michael Francis are my two favorite go to guys for mafia stories right now. Michael Francis recently interviewed me and he said on his channel that when he was part of the mafia in LA during the 1990s, they were aware of the ecstasy ring I was running in Arizona in competition with Sammy the Bull Gravano. Now, if anyone watches how he busted the bull, the new documentary by Nat Geo. Sammy the Bull Gravano to this day denies running or being involved in the ecstasy business. The cop who busted him, one of them, is interviewed in the documentary. And the closing quote is from this cop. He says, if Sammy the Bull were in the room right now and you asked him, did you run this ecstasy ring? He would say, he would look you square in the eyes and say no. Yeah, we recorded him giving his son the money for the XC ring. He's convicted of his participation in the XC ring conspiracy case. And there's just this cognitive dissonance. So I believe because the old school Italian mafia code was don't get involved in, in drugs. Don't hurt women and kids, things like that. He's part of that. You know, he comes from that era and he's got the cognitive dissonance there. He wasn't out on the streets doing stuff with the XC ring. The people on the streets running it were his son, Gerard Gravano, and this other guy who got the son involved called Papa. Papa ended up going in witness protection against Sammy. So I never, ever had interactions with Sammy the Bull face-to-face. I've never, ever said I have. I only had interactions with Gerard Gravano. First interaction was in Towers Jail the gravano enterprise people have all been arrested a year or two um, before my crew but some of them got out on bail and they got rearrested so Gerard gravano ends up in my pod in towers jail and uh, i'll tell you what he's a hell of an arm wrestler he was he's really strong he was um, arm wrestling people down now the first time we meet Gerard gravano uh we're all going to court one night and the court procedure is, even if you go in court the next day, they wake you up at like midnight and you go for all these holding cells. And they, the guards chained Gerard Gravano to Wildman, knowing from the media, the local media who had documented our cases that we we're in competition, that there might be some kind of situation. I mean, this is a place where guards have prisoners fights and make bets on who's going to win. So Wildman's looking at me like, you know, what, what should we do about this? And I say, look, Gerard and his guys, they got arrested a year or two before us. We need to find out as much information as possible about what the prosecutor's tricks they're doing with these guys, what the routine is. So we sat there all that night talking to Gerard in the cell, in the holding cells, in the Madison Street Jail, gleaning information about his case. And... Um, since then, you know, I've, I've been in contact with him on the internet up, up right up to this year. Yeah,
0: fantastic, great stuff. You've led a hell of a life, Sean. Um, the, the last 12 months, though, uh, the Queen, mebbies, would describe it as an anna's horribles because, um, I've just seen you, um, you know, attacked, um, you know, lambasted, and you know, obviously, you know. P- by your own admission as well, create create a, a few issues for yourself. And then, you know, at the end of this 12 months, we now have this YouTube situation. Um Going back to, you know, to the start of your problems, what, what caused... Your issues. You you did a video. Um, we, we, you've discussed this many times, and of course the trolls are out in force today. I'm monitoring them in in the chat, so we're having thank to you. Uh, thank you for the views, trolls. <laughs> but you know, but you know, from your from your perspective, go back go back to what happened. You know, the accusations right. levelled at you. You you tell me your side of the story. Sean. Right. So just as, just for those watching who might not know,
1: I mean, as as you yourself know, Steve, as you've got bigger on YouTube trolling is part of that i don't know any youtuber who has got a decent following who does not have trolls my trolls came about in waves the first wave revolved around my first podcast guest he was called out and uh, by another youtuber who outed fake military veterans And it's sad because this guy's story was verified by um, months after all that this hellacious trolling, this guy's story was verified by Mirror Books. He gave them hundreds of pages of legal paperwork. They verified his story and published his book. But they get trolls get an obsession. They have a false narrative in the mind that they have no proof of. They get obsessed with it and they hold the interviewer responsible. That's what happened in that case, anyway. Then, as I started to move over from just prison stories to abuse. Stories, exposing, reporting on the big stories of the day like Epstein, the trolling started to just get get crazy again, and it got so crazy that I interviewed a lady, and I helped her. The few, the followers helped her, and they're still helping her to this day, despite what the trolls have said. The followers helped her, and the trolls started being really nasty to this woman because she was a sex worker, saying. That I was on drugs with her, I was pimping her out, I was doing this, doing that. So, we had an idea to do a prank to try and set these trolls up, whereby we filmed reenacting everything we were accused of, but we, we filmed how we actually constructed the props, the flour we used on the table as fake drugs, etc. Now, I am completely desensitized because of the harrowing experiences of putting myself in, in jail, the things I saw. And um, it was in jail, you know, learning the sad stories of the prisoners, a lot of them had suffered child abuse, that gave me a passion to expose that and expose the root causes of crime and to campaign against the war on drugs. So because I've got this passion for that, then all these trolls started attacking my mission. I just, I, I struck back too hard it was emotionally immature. It was distasteful. We made this video whereby we reconstructed the things we're being accused of, and it was a huge mistake. There was there a was, there was blowback, and I absolutely apologize still to this day to all my loyal followers who found that distasteful. And um, my loyal followers said, okay, we understand. You've made a mistake. We're all human, and they've stuck with me. But there's a group of trolls who know they can clickbait that situation and clickbait my name and build channels around that. And there was actually a cottage industry of channels flourishing last year. It was crazy. And uh, but fortunately, I mean, they were going so far on one of them. A a caller called in on the live stream and said, if I see Atwood on the street and I get my hands around his neck, I'm going to kill him. And the host just said 100%, 100%. So the hate had got to that level from some of these people. And I believe it was Andrew Guyne who's claimed publicly, the anti-cyberbullying activist, that she has got these channels shut down. And they are almost certainly shut down now, except for one out of Scotland, which we can get to later, because it ties into the podcast wars. So, yeah, you know, I'm human. I made a mistake. I've asked the followers for forgiveness. I've explained the situation on the True Geordie podcast in full, exactly what happened. And I've moved on from it. But there's still the trolling, and I thank them for the views. Everything they they accuse me of, Steve, now is based on a false narrative they've constructed in their own heads with these perverted, filthy ideas because they have no proof of the things they are asking. So, like, on your live stream right now, they're saying, what about this fake paperwork Sean gave to the landlord? Where's the proof of me giving fake paperwork to the landlord? There's no video of me giving fake paperwork to a landlord. This is just purely a created construct. Um, Anything else? They say, oh, yeah, I dressed the woman up in a certain outfit. Show me a video of me dressing this woman up. This woman was living in a crazy, bizarre world of all kinds of strange things going on. (laughs) And all her outfits were her responsibility. And before she went to prison, she gave a video statement to my lawyer in case of any legal situations i can send you that steve saying i had absolutely nothing to do with her being in that outfit that was her deal and she can explain that herself if she wants to
0: yeah unfortunately it's something for you which is going to continually come back and i've had situations like that myself doing uh, this uh, these things on youtube and um you know you're right it's ammunition for people but um Look, I speak as I find. I've met you a couple of times now to come down to, uh, you know, Liverpool and do the podcast, and you know, always found you to be a friendly, affable guy. And um, from my perspective, you know, there is uh, two sides to every story. So um, more the trolls than two. Will, the, <laughs> draws, the, will, the trolls will keep on trolling, Sean. And um, as you say, you're, you're, you know, you you crack on with that. It's a sign of you being successful in in the exactly. field that, that that you've got. You know, you mentioned uh, podcast wars. How did that all start?
1: All right. So
0: this actually
1: started with the Darren G interview on the James English channel. Before that, now, um, Darren has since stated on the Ben Hatchett podcast he did, and anyone could go over and watch that, it's online, that before he went on the James English podcast, James had asked him to destroy me because James didn't want to do it himself. Darren said he felt like he was being led down a path by James to out and destroy me. And um, that's what happened. For over two hours, I was called every name under the sun. I was even called gay, as if being gay is a bad thing. That must have been very distasteful for gay people listening to that. It was hate speech. There was a all kinds of accusations, uh, cyberbullying, defamation, lies, just for two hours straight against me. And immediately, you know, I got a lawyer on the case. And I've got a year from the date of that podcast to go full on with that lawsuit. That lawsuit has started, but I've got a a year to decide whether to go full on with it. I was hoping there would be some reconciliation between me and James because... Before James drew first blood, I had been praising him to the high heavens. I had been putting his links in all of the interviews I was doing for people he had been interviewing. So I was absolutely devastated. Now, James and his friend out of Liverpool, who started the podcast, they tested the water a couple of months before the Darren G interview. James went on his friend's podcast, and for 10 minutes, they repeated lies, defamation, call me things with no factual basis. And, you know, there's potentially a legal situation there as well, still to this day. But they saw that the trolls and people who love YouTube battles, and they understand people love drama, and, um, you know, the theory of bread and circuses and all that. They saw clickbaiting my name and calling me out, got them views and got them attention. So that seemed like the litmus test was passed. And James then had the confidence to get Darren G on and just go full force on a video that got almost half a million views very quickly. Once that video went up, I was losing a hundred subs an hour. And it caused massive harm to my reputation. We've got thousands of screenshots of people who've come in and quoted things from that um, podcast. So it's a very serious defamation lawsuit situation that James is facing right now. But I was hoping that we could, we could. Um, you know, I'm not a competitive person, I'm a collaborative person. I was hoping that we could resolve the situation So I sent James some olive branches through, let's just say, some other people in the underworld and other podcasters. And I'll I'll read you um, how James responded to me by text. I was absolutely blown away by the things that he said to me. I I couldn't believe it after I reached out to him to try and make the peace. And um, here's, here's the first text that came in. Listen, you bald effin' beep. I don't want to get your channel in trouble, Steve, so I'm just going to beep some of these things. You ever mention my name? Not only will I do a video tonight exposing you with everything I have about your wicked ways, but I will come straight to your door and give you a very friendly hello. You sick little beep. Get on with your life or I will ruin you. Little beep. This is your first and last warning. And the next one, F you and your fake lawyers, your little beep. You have effed up making those false little threats. Watch the video info about you, little CD. beep. Now you have pissed me off. You should have let it go, but watch what I do, you mug. And on and on it goes, threatening to come to my house, blah, blah, blah. So my response to him was, James, these threatening messages do not become you. I suggest you desist. Regarding the defamation lawsuit, you're making your situation much worse by repeating baseless lies fed to you by trolls. I urge you to seek professional legal advice and settle with my lawyer. Are you even aware of your liability from what you publish with Darren G? Let's be professional about this and come to a settlement for the harm you have caused my reputation by publishing lies. Just look at your text, James. There's no proof at all of any of that nonsense, yet you persist with aggression, threats, and more defamation. So I've tried to be nice to this guy, and it's not work, Steve. So I've decided today to make an announcement on your channel.
0: All right, okay, what, what announcement is that?
1: <laughs> so, Mr. James English, the biggest podcaster in the world. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean the universe. I challenge you to a martial arts fight televised live on YouTube. I will have the spirit of wild man protecting me. And I've seen your video where you're practicing your boxing for this fight in October. I'm 15 years older than you, James, but I still think I can take you. Let's get it on. What do you say? Let us know as soon as possible so we can start preparing and training. Wow. That's what I say, Steve, yes.
0: Fair in play pr- to you, Sean. I mean, I, I'm not sure, you know, whether James will take you up on that, but um, thanks for announcing on our uh, channel. I think that will get us a little bit of uh, publicity <laughs> over the next in, 24 in, in,
1: hours. Steve, Steve, in prison, you see people, the tension building up between people. And it's just part of the course that they just go under the stairs in the cell where the guards can't see, it, it's off camera. They have a fight, and nearly always, unless you're up against some complete psycho, you see them shaking hands at the end of it, sitting down, having the smoke, and the beef is squashed. This podcast war stuff has gone on for so long, right now. I think that having a fight will dissipate the tension. And you know, the podcast was started with James's act of aggression against me. But what happened was, James brought in two people he weaponized that he thought would help take me down. There was a third one, the original Scouse guy, um, that he had on his side as well, plus these other two people, and that was, um, Darren G and Marvin Herbert. But Darren G threw a spanner in the works, he saw that he was being used by James English. And he turned on James. He turned on Marvin Herbert. And this was around the time Wildman had died, just after Wildman had died. These guys saw a weakness that they tried to exploit. When I went on Marvin Herbert's podcast, I was down in the dumps. Wildman had about a month to live. And it was exploited because at the end of that day, and that podcast was fully arranged with Marvin, he's saying right now, I just showed up and he ambushed me. That's absolute bullshit. I've known Christian Morgans for a long time. That podcast was had been arranged for months. I was to sit down and be interviewed by Marvin. And then I was going to interview Marvin in the afternoon. And that's what we did. And we had such a nice day. At the end of that day, Marvin was saying that, asking me if I would publish his book. And I went on and promoted him for, for weeks. I arranged an interview with Lad Bible for him, which just finally went through. And all of a sudden, Marvin started putting these videos out, staying here, had exposed me. I'd only done a few days in jail, and my story was completely made up. I never had anything to do with Sammy the Bull. Now, if you saw my recent interview with Wild Woman, I showed Wild Woman what Marvin done on the way to the podcast studio. And Wild Woman, was she had 155 felonies. She was facing 1,550 years. Makes the 200 years I was facing look like a walk in the park. And she was like, "You <laughs> I'll tell you what, if Marvin wants to do a part two, and Wild Woman's up for it, I would love to see that because let's put it this way. On the way to the podcast studio, the taxi driver started making homophobic remarks to Wild Woman saying, distasteful remarks about gay pride. Wild Woman has a gay son. That taxi driver, by the time he arrived, looked about ready to paint his taxi the gay rainbow colours. That's how much she had put him in check by the time they arrived. So that Wild Woman podcast, it's three hours long. People have been demanding it for years. It's coming very soon. That is the complete history of how the podcast was started. And then it spread to Darren G versus um, Sam Walker. Liam Ditchfield, Marvin tried to weaponize Liam Ditchfield against Darren G, and on and on and on it goes. And when I was up in Liverpool filming last month for two weeks, all, all everyone's talking about is the podcast walls up there. It's just this massive thing.
0: I've got to be perfectly honest. I've watched this from afar. Some of it seems made up, fake, false. Um, I, I genuinely didn't expect... To see as many people falling out on on YouTube, and then the cynical part of me looks back and goes, "Are these people simply trying to get likes, follows, you know, on videos, etc.?" Because the channels are monetized, I'm not sure, Sean. Uh, some of it, some of it's genuine. What I will say um, before we move on from this and take a few people's questions is that you know, James English was was the first podcast that I did. Um, and at the time, you and you and James were getting on very well James then you know, put me in touch with you And you were kind enough to get me on the channel You two were working as a unit Helping each other out, promoting each other's shows Being very respectful to each other Interviewed each other um, I didn't see this coming, I've got to be perfectly honest um, I was very surprised by it um, Have I seen a different side of James? Um, I have Obviously the, the Charlie Salvador tapes Which I released um, I released them for one reason and one reason only Because... Uh, when James got a, an interview um, and, and started publicizing the interview with regards to Charles Salvador, who I'm still very good friends with, um, you know, it went in the newspaper and that was going to affect Charlie's parole. And Charlie sent me a letter basically saying, Those tapes that we've recorded over the years, in for a penny, in for a pound, I'm going to get a phone ban. You might as well make them public. So I put them out there, um, which. Unfortunately, James didn't didn't you know agree with. wasn't very happy about. And um, I you know I, I since found myself blocked on on you know his mobile um, after a couple of texts that he sent me, which were a lot more polite by the the alleged text that he sent you. Oh, you and know. and ultimately you know I, I've had my video removed from his channel, which I you know I, I was I was a bit upset about because I've done nothing wrong with James. As for Darren G, um, gotta be honest, a lot of people said don't get him on your channel. I'm delighted I got him up to Newcastle. I got him, and as most people know, I do most of mine via StreamYard. I, I interview people in their own homes, and, and I'm in my uh, studio, and we, we just chat. I got Darren up to Newcastle. I wanted to meet him. And, you know, what a, what a, what a nice guy he is, um, trying to get his message out. Um, and I was pleased to have Darren on the show, I've got to be honest. And, again, trolls were having a field day. I ignored them. I just got on with it, did my job as a podcaster and I thoroughly enjoyed putting Darren on the channel. And um, since then, I've seen people trying to stir it up and I, I know you're fully aware of the situation I'm going through at the minute, Sean, with, with what, what's happening in Newcastle, something which is, isn't is isn't fake. It's it's quite real, the, the, the SayS conroy situation. What have you made of that from afar?
1: So, you know, I don't fully know Paddy or his story And then all of a sudden, one day, people started sending me a little clip of Paddy just looked like he was going to bust a blood vessel, just screaming, roaring, my name. He he dissed Wildman. And um, I'm thinking, what is going on with this character? So I'm not not sure what's motivated him to explode on me like that. But um, I
0: imagine you're more clued into that beef, Steve, than I am. It's a strange situation. I mean we've we've written a book, a very successful book, tried and tested at the highest level, the Sears. Uh we've written a breed apart about the Sears and we've also written Operation Sears and you know from my perspective, um I'm just doing my job as an author, getting the story out there. The Sears never intended on writing a book um, until they were provoked into it, and they were provoked into it by Paddy's appearance on the McIntyre program, uh, where he called them grasses and coppers, knocks, etc. So they had a right to reply. They did it with a book, and and ultimately, you know, from from my perspective, I did the right thing. His objection seems to be against a lot of the videos that are up there, um, the interviews that we've done. Um, he mistakenly thinks that I interviewed Phil Berryman. I never have. I met him for a coffee once. Never interviewed him. A guy, Paul, Paul Frost, did. Um, did a documentary about him actually, and Phil Berryman wrote his own book. I didn't actually write his book. So ultimately, um, you know, he sits in a shed um, with rats running in and out, um, making videos each day, talking absolute crap. And one thing that he was always going on about, Sean, was lie detector tests. Lie detector tests—they're the best thing. Use Terry Mullins; he's the best in the business. So Stephen said, "You know what? I'm off to to uh, go down to Essex." Will you come with us and film it Let's do the lie detector test And that's what we did We did the lie detector test with Terry Mullins um, Which is what uh, Paddy wanted all along And Stephen passed his lie detector test Based on the questions that he felt should be asked And you know, for us that's the end of it There's not going to be any comeback We don't want a social media war We don't want a YouTube war We're adults, we're grown adults And Stephen's got nothing to hide Um, So I'm afraid Paddy can bust a blood vessel As much as he wants sitting in his shed um, with these new with these new admin, um, they're not going to get another response from us on that, you know. And I just wanted to mention that because obviously it's it's something which the viewers are are always interested in. Um, a lot of people also asking about Charlie Salvador. He's doing really well. Um, I don't want to create any more issues for him with uh, with tapes from prison. You know, I've I've sat on a few which I didn't put out there, which I might release, uh, but I don't want to put any more out. Charlie's got a big year, you know, still ahead. Parole hearing still not guaranteed, uh, but forthcoming once covid restrictions lift i'm sure he'll get it and he'll get it in a public a public forum so um looking forward to that and uh i have said to Sean, he'll get he'll get an interview on his channel as soon as he comes out. Oh, well. so, uh, that that well, would be great
1: i really appreciate you sending the sayers audiobooks my way because it's an absolutely fascinating story and we've published at least 4 i think by now and they they are selling really well as as well as paul ferris is. so people are interested in those they're available worldwide on Amazon, four different books on the Sayers' uh, crime family and, and the Paul Ferris book as well.
0: Yeah, okay, we're into the last 20 minutes. I did promise people this would be a Q&A and we will get questions. So, um, you know, we, we will whiz through as many as we can. I've got a few on Twitter and I've got uh, a few on here. Uh, So, will there be a Rear Hill part two? Of course, Rare Bang Bang Hill. There is a video on my channel, on my playlist. Fascinating guy, a man who should write a book, that's for certain. And will there be a part two on your channel?
1: I was blown away by Ray Hill part one. It was like he's like the John Abbott of the UK prison system. And um, Ray Hill part two will be coming up very soon. We saw numerous people step up and support me in the last week and help get my YouTube channel back. And Ray Hill was one of them, Steve Rafe was one of them, and all those people who helped me and supported me, I will be doing my utmost to reciprocate. Several people were dancing on my grave no doubt James English was one of them and I have in this video earlier called out James English I am challenging you to a martial arts fight I'm hoping true Geordie will be the commentator and I'm talking kickboxing or karate let's get this action packed let's do it as soon as possible so you let me know James you send me text after text threatening me of a BS I haven't even done, saying you're going to come to my house. How tough for you to send that over the internet? Say those things to me face to face
0: in the ring. Let's get it on. Interesting stuff from Sean Atwood. Not something I expected that has to be said. Um, of course, two sides to every story, James. If you'd like to come on our channel and uh, chat about this and, and maybe talk about accepting the uh, challenge that... Uh, Uh, Sean is clearly thrown down here today. It would be interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, the the, the channel is always open. You'll need to unblock us on your phone first. Alex Spencer says, Sean, are you sure the bans by YouTube are over? Or is the algorithm going to endlessly punish you? Have they put anything in place to stop it?
1: I'm not sure it's over, Steve, to be honest. It could keep going. Um, If they can strike you on deleted videos, even though I've cleaned house... The algorithm could still give me strikes on on those videos. I mean, almost 50% of the channel has been deleted. But I have a liability that as as long as I'm alive. So, you know, who who knows? But if it does happen again, we're prepared for it. We know the routine. We get a human being to look at it and get it restored. Because all I did once it got struck down the second time was... Resubmit the same appeal, but just added, we just went through this yesterday.
0: Yeah, okay. We'll watch with interest. Uh, hopefully you won't have any more stress. Nice to see my interviews and Stephen Sears still remain up there. So uh, <laughs> uh Anthony Wright says, Why do people have an issue with anyone self-promoting to earn a living? At least it's an honest living and not affecting anyone. Anyone who is successful always has negative people trying to destroy it. Well said Anthony Cocky asking if uh, there is any chance of a Kenny Nye podcast. Sadly not, mate. Um, I do know Kenny. I have spoken to him on numerous occasions. It's not his thing. And to be honest. Um, you know, he did make, you know, I I rang Sean up and and explained to him, I said there's a few guests that he's had on who say that they've seen Kenny in jail or they've mentioned Kenny in jail and it's not something which uh, is in Kenny's memory. He certainly didn't meet some of these people. So I guess it's uh, buyer beware, never never believe what you hear um, from people. Uh, Sean is the interviewer, he's not the person saying this stuff. So, um, you know, I think just... uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things. We'd love to see you know something from Kenny, but you know he's he's a different level, and I genuinely do not think you will ever see anything from Kenny. now but uh, never say never. You never know if the money's right. <laughs> um, okay, Twitter, great, great questions. Joe Walker, clearly a big fan. He's uh, one of our um, one of our pundits, of course, on uh, NUFC matters. Those, those Newcastle fans who are watching today, uh, and he sent us a couple of questions. I two or three questions um so let, let's go with this one um he says if you could interview anyone alive or dead sean who would it be he says mr epstein maybe
1: <laughs> wow imagine an interviewing epstein that would be in the top 10 definitely so anyone alive or dead from throughout history my goodness um Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, who wrote the book Meditations, which is a classic of Stoic philosophy. He would definitely be up there. Probably like Socrates, Plato, because I'm into my philosophy. Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, the old philosopher. Um, oh, there's just so many to choose from, Steve. What, who would you interview, Steve?
0: Bruce Lee and, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: and Al Capone and Al Capone, yeah. Winston Churchill. And Pablo, Pablo. John, John Dillinger.
1: Yeah, and Pablo Escobar.
0: I'd settle for just meeting John Dillinger. My favorite, <laughs> my favourite criminal of all time. Um, not that I endorse anything that he ever did. However, yeah, I'd just love to meet him. What a character. Yeah, uh, Matt, yeah. Matt says, Sean, when will we see the Jimmy Savile documentary?
1: Um, because of the strikes and because of the new direction of the channel, the Savile doc is probably gonna go on like Vimeo first or somewhere like that we're not going to be able to put it on the main channel.
0: Okay. Um, that's yeah, Um uh,
1: In a month or so, I think it should be ready.
0: Okay. Uh Joe's other questions are as follows. Could anything have prepared you for Arizona prison?
1: I did do Spanish classes, and there's a lot of Hispanics and Chicano gang members. So <laughs> that helped. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you, you just got to adapt. People have read Hard Time. They said, how on earth did you survive? I could never get through that. What you would get through that as a human being we have an amazing ability to adapt you go in heads are getting bashed against toilets bodies thrown around you're seeing people get knocked unconscious look like they're dead it puts a look of shock on your face and the prisoners were coming up to me saying you got to get the look of shock off your face so you're going to get preyed on but six months in i was just completely unemotional just like dead eyes dead eyes and um, you can't show any emotion of a wise they will exploit that and even on my driver's license and my passport photo after six years of it you know i just was permanently looked like dead eyes and i still look back and see that um and and remember you know what what kind of effect that had on me but we all adapt as human beings i'm not someone who's a big tough guy i've never claimed to be a gangster i said i was a nerd with gangsteritis. so my my um communication skill skills my englishness you know, there was a point where I was going around saying jolly good <laughs> to the prisoners. They're asking me all kinds of things about England. Some people some people in America even ask what language do they speak in England. <laughs> it wasn't French.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, Sean, uh, this is from Alan Hall. He says, um, do you ever wish you'd never got into the drugs business and continue to work the markets?
1: Yes and no. You know, my mom had a nervous breakdown. My sister had counselling. The harm I caused society, the harm I caused my family. That's the no side. The yes side, because I had to go through everything I went through to learn the lessons I did and to get out there and to, you know, share my story, spread the word and become an activist and expose the war on drugs, mass incarceration, child abuse, and all the other stuff that we've been exposing ever since.
0: Okay. Fantastic. And uh, next question, uh, let's take one from Robbo on uh, YouTube. He says, ask Sean who his favorite podcast is that he has done.
1: My favorite podcast that I've done. Oh, I've, it's gotta be his, hasn't it, Steve? I don't know if people can see wild man in the picture behind me. Um, you know, best friend since childhood. He died last year. He was my homie. He protected me in many a situation. Loved him and um, his, he protects me now from above. So if people want to watch the main one I did with him where he was really on form, it's called English Enforcer in Arizona Prison. And he starts out talking with a story of a guy who used to work for us who starts going through Sammy the Bull's crew and he knocks this guy's tooth out so hard the tooth gets stuck so deeply between his knuckles. He can't get it out. He hates going to hospital, wild man. He always um, says he's self-healing, so he ends up going to hospital to get this tooth out. They take it out and um, they say, "Yeah, right, we've got to stitch you up now." He's like, "No, thank you," and he just walks out of the hospital, goes home, grabs some fishing wire, and sews it up himself. <laughs> that was that was just typical wild man. As as for this true media guy asking all these questions. Uh, he's saying, you know, why? Why did Sean say he was facing 25 years? He say he was facing 200 years when he originally, when he, he's also said he was facing 25. This is how the trolls work, Steve. They find a video of you saying you were facing 25 years, which I was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. They put serious drug offender status on me in the beginning, which carries 25 to life as well as 10 plus charges. Then in the second year, when I was my bail was doubled to 1.5 million at a new indictment with additional charges to total the sentence over 200 years then i was facing over 200 years so the trolls take a video of you saying i was facing 25 years put it next to a video of you saying i was facing 200 years and say he's a liar he's a liar look that's how they work and true media is a, is a master of uh, of doing that yeah no and... proof of anything that true media is claiming no no paperwork no videos Show me any paperwork or videos of anything you are claiming True media, and I will um, change my call out to a fight with um, Darren G from James English. And I'm only saying that because I know you cannot prove it, and I, I'm not that tough. I would never fight. Well, Darren let's
0: G. let's be <laughs> let's be fair because obviously people say, "No, selective questions." True Media asks a question: Why were you banned from Stock Broken in Arizona, Sean?
1: So I rose up in the stock market world, and I had a uh, all the various licenses, branch manager license, options trading license, and some of the brokers, I was signing off on other broker's tickets. One of those brokers ended up, I think it was excessively trading, a pensioner's account. Because I'd signed that ticket, I was liable. And that is why,
0: What what was the question again? Why were you banned from stock trading in, in in America?
1: Oh yeah, and that that was that was um, the situation that arose. What I just described. Okay, good stuff. Um... And so all all the stuff's documented in my trilogy. If these yeah. trolls went and researched the story properly, if Marvin Herbert went and researched the story properly, you guys wouldn't have all of these ridiculous questions and your ridiculous c- um, conclusions that come about when you've done no research.
0: Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I would. I would agree. It's, look as I said you said there's multiple sides to every story. You 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 are right, but unfortunately trolls are going to troll people who don't like you or look like me are always going to have a pop and attack. I mean, I platformed Tommy Robinson, something which ultimately uh, caused me, you know, a week of, of of grief and and something which continues to to go on. The reason I did it though is because you know people were attacking me accusing me of something which, you know, accusing me of having far-right politics. I don't have far-right politics, but I decided to get them on my platform and, you know, dispel the myth, A, that I'm, you know, a far-right, uh, you know, politician, but also that I'm a friend of Tommy Robinson's. I'm not. And, you know, you can never win because ultimately those trolls will come back with a, a different strategy aimed around the same topic to try and blacken your name, Sean.
1: Exactly. When they said I'd done a GoFundMe scam, I didn't actually live on the second floor. I lived on the ground floor. I did a video dropping a melon off the second floor. The troll said if I proved I lived on the second floor, they would apologize. Do you know what they did? They said I'd gone in a neighbor's flat and dropped a melon off the neighbor's balcony.
0: (laughs) Unbelievable. They,
1: They just go from bullshit lie to bullshit lie to bullshit lie. It doesn't matter what you prove. They are stuck on this false narrative
0: yeah this is what Conroy's doing unfortunately uh, and, and you end up in this position where you know you could waste you know let's just say for arguments sake he puts out three videos a day half an hour videos that's an hour and a half out of your day in a week um you know that's over 10 hours a week in a month that's 40 hours in your life you are wasting listening to his crap but then haven't responded to it in whatever shape or form. And that's why, for me, you move on You know, you've got to If you start watching, reading all these comments all the time You're just going to dement yourself, you know Everybody has a mental breaking point point. And that's what I do On Twitter, I don't get involved in these Twitter troll rows I, ban- I just block people now um, People say, yeah, but well, you've just got an echo chamber Yeah, I've got an echo chamber with 38,500 followers Who um, all want to, you know, talk about things I want to talk about we disagree, of course we disagree on things But we don't do it in a horrible way behind a faceless account And and that is the big concern, you know, it really is And um, jealous people, um, you know, for me, aren't worth aren't worth shit, Sean It's not worth worrying about Joe Walker, um, we're going to give him another question He says, of all the amazing moments, what is your favourite memory of the wild man?
1: Oh my goodness, there are so many um Oh, thanks for putting that picture up, Steve. Yeah, so... We just did a four-plus-hour podcast with Wildman's cousin, Hammy, of favourite and craziest moments with Wildman. But it's not just Wildman stories, it's also Purple Aki stories, because Wildman, when he was a kid, he used to hang out with Purple Aki, and Purple Aki had his back in certain situations. So... um Come, come along and watch that one in a month or so with uh, with Hammy and two of Wildman's other friends who were at the funeral, going for f- over four hours. The Wild Woman podcast, the three-hour one. There's many Wildman stories in that as well. They're all such as crazy and so long, um, it would it would take ages to go over them all right now. But you know, in general, I was an anxious person as a teenager, and everywhere I went with Wildman, he just lit the room up. Everywhere he walked in, he spoke to everybody. It didn't matter who they were, he was non-judgmental, and he just said anything that was on his mind. He's the most honest, authentic person you could ever meet, and just having him as my best friend for all those years, I just feel so honored. And um, I know he and the Wild Man in the Skies is still protecting me right now because when all those cowards were trying to savage me at the end of last year during the podcast wars, capitalizing on my depressed state because Wild Man was sick and dying. That's how cowardly they were. Once I went to Wildman's funeral, I felt the strength of him enter me. And it was after that day that Darren G turned on those guys that were all lined up to destroy me. And he started to destroy and savage them. And that completely threw all their plan to wipe me out off the face of the earth. So huge thank you to Darren G for exposing what they did, how they were weaponizing him to attack me, and I've never had any problems at all with Darren G. My gut told me from the get-go when he was brought on the James English channel that he was being weaponized to destroy me, which Darren later confirmed on the Ben Hatchett podcast. The only issue with Darren was, I held on to his book too long. There was a communication error. My phone number has never changed since the day Darren met, and he's never called me on my, my phone and asked me for his book. He sent his, his request through socials, which I don't run, And there was, you know, I didn't, I didn't see those messages coming in. And as soon as Darren, I did find out that he wanted his book back. I for sure met him, gave me his book back and we did that podcast. And I'll tell you what, that book is going to be an international bestseller. I read it, my girlfriend at the time read it and uh, we were both, both extremely deeply moved by what Darren went through detailing his story from childhood. So I absolutely wish Darren the best with his book. And if he has any other questions or concerns for me, just to reach out, speak to me directly on my phone number. That's always been the same. And I would be glad to resolve any issues with him. I absolutely wish him all the best.
0: Okay, Uh, Malta Whitney says, question for Sean, please, Steve. Where can we watch Banged Up Abroad? I saw it when it was aired, but I can't find it anywhere. Is it available anywhere?
1: So my Banged Up Abroad episode is on National Geographic channel periodically. It's shown around the world. And it does sometimes get put on YouTube, but then Nat Geo strike it down. If you put in Raving Arizona trailer, you can watch the trailer on my channel, but you won't be able to see the full episode unless there's a pirate or unless it comes up on Nat Geo channel.
0: Yeah, lots of people talking about this uh, Sammy the Bull situation. It's one which, again, you'll be sick of, but Dennis nails it really. And um, I've seen this documentary. They should watch The Mob Boss from New York. Uh, in the view, he says he knew about English Sean, which again, it's uh, you know, it proves it proves that point for me.
1: Michael Francis just verified my story about Sammy the Bull. He's not going to go out on a limb and back up some fraud. Nat Geo have verified my story twice. There's two documentaries about my life with them. How he busted the Bull is one that just came out. Vice just verified my story. Sent them my case paperwork and. um. They've got a documentary coming out in a couple of months about my life story. They went and filmed in Witness. I think they went and filmed The Thinking Tree. They filmed my parents. They filmed my first ever arresting officer from when I was a kid in my hometown as well. So that one's coming out. It's just a pity Marvin Herbert didn't ask me for my paperwork before I went along and did that interview. I'd seen his interview on James English, I was extremely moved by his story. Powerful emotional speaker, especially when he talks about his dad and I went to Marvin because Christian had asked me to help him get some subscribers and help him build his channel and I went down there to help him with the most honorable intentions and I believe that Marvin got hoodwinked by James English, got caught up in this podcast war BS and he put these videos out saying he was exposing me because he was helping James English and he thought he was on the right side of the podcast wars. But when Darren G turned against both of them, I, I, I bet Marvin regretted getting involved. I have nothing bad to say about Marvin. Um, I would love to do something else with him in the future. I don't burn grudges against people. This is a thing about me. You know, the um, androgyny, androgyne, uh, who I had issues with. She's now my friend. She's been back on the podcast. She's reformed, and she's now campaigning Against cyberbullying, she's doing great work taking these troll
0: channels down. Wow, I didn't know that. So that that, that, that that's amazing, is there, it? You say you don't hold grudges. Um, you've offered to have a, a, a charity fight with with James English. You know, televised live on YouTube. You know, whether that comes off, I don't know. Is there a way back for you and James? Do you think?
1: Yeah, we have this fight. I win. He accepts that. We have a hug at the end of it. The beef is squashed. He comes on my channel and explains his story. And I had no idea about his story until he drew first blood on me and everybody sent me his paperwork. I go on his channel and he asks me any questions he wants. We do a part two on his channel and we move on from there and we can all live happily ever after collaborating. Because the sad thing is, Steve, when James interviews Shane Taylor, for example, my Shane Taylor video starts to go viral. When I interview Ian Blink-McDonald, for example, and I just did part three with Ian, James's Ian Blink-McDonald video goes viral. Working together builds our platforms. I was sending him guests, he was sending me guests, and when he pulled that stunt, I had members of the underworld from up and down the country calling me up, saying they had my back. Now, the guys who were in this conspiracy against me, James. Marvin and the friend out of Liverpool who tested the water on on the podcast he just started, they started calling my podcast guests saying, Atwood's doing this, Atwood's doing that, don't go on his channel. I've been in this game for 13 years, Steve. All of those podcast guests immediately called me and told me what was going on and said they absolutely had my back. This is how childish and high school their behaviour has been. But again... I don't bear grudges against these people. Let's have this fight, James. Like in prison, you just have a fight and you squash the beef. You man up and then you have a hug and you get on with your life. And I'll interview you if you're up for it. You interview me, ask me whatever the fuck you want. And everything will be out in the open. Because I know I am a convicted ecstasy trafficker. I know I have not done any of the heinous things that the trolls have said. They have no proof of that. There's no videos of me doing any of the bullshit. These heinous things are in the trolls' perverted minds. And the trolls need to look at themselves and ask themselves, why am I thinking this weird sexual scenario up about Atwood, a new one up every month? How, where does this come from? What, what is it about, about myself that's making me think these sicko things? I think some of them need therapy, Steve, to be honest.
0: Certainly a lot of interest in this fight So um, we, we will see whether the uh, We will see whether the gauntlet is taken up uh, Gaz Gagno uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us On the show today says, Steve and Sean used the wet shave on the head recently like me It's the heat Steve you are new to me But Sean I have followed since he started um thanks mate if uh anybody is uh enjoyed the show today um, and wants to carry on with my content please subscribe by hitting the newcastle legends logo in the bottom right hand corner hit the thumb up to like the video click share share to your social media drop into the comments as well you still got time can uh, i say one and- more
1: thing can i say yeah. one thing. all right tonight i'm going
0: live again at six o'clock on patreon my
1: patreon is going to be free for everybody answering questions and if, if, it's up to you, if it's okay with you, Steve, can I take these, the clips out of what I've said to you today about James English? Of course so I can. That. I can circulate them and get the buzz started. And anyone who's got any questions about the James English situation, bring them to me tonight at 6 p.m. on my Patreon. I can't live stream right now for a couple of weeks because of all the strikes. Bring them to me tonight at 6 p.m. on my Patreon. I want a kickboxing or a karate fight against James English. And maybe James can learn some Thai techniques from his buddy in Liverpool who ran with the BS and also tried to take me down. I'd like to see both of them in the ring. I wonder who I'll have as my trainer. I'm going to have to think about that, Steve.
0: Big shout out to Ash, who's in the chat. And to Amy. <laughs> exists! Ash has got it. Ash has got it. a little bit of time off there. It's nice to see you collaborating. Well, I'd love to come back on and do one of your uh, other shows, Sean, at some point. You know, not where it's not me, where we're talking about different things. So, more than happy to uh, return the feather and uh, and to pop on. I do want to give the last question to a guy in Newcastle called Keith uh, NCSL Newcastle Consortium Supporters, good friend of mine. I'm going to Rotherham with him today. What threats did he generally receive uh, after being caught dealing ecstasy pills in the US? Uh, says Keith
1: what threats did I receive after getting caught dealing ecstasy pills in the US? Does he mean the threats when I was active on the streets? The, yes. The, the, the stuff yeah. with the Gravano crew. Yeah. All right. So I, how the ecstasy ring came about was me and Wildman started like mediating disputes between the local rave cliques. And then we started to incorporate all those local rave clicks into the enterprise and we harmonized everybody so that they were working for us. So we had the locals locked down for years. All of a sudden, these steroid head jock ecstasy dealers start showing up at the raves and the clubs. We're like, who are these guys? I ended up going to a meeting with two of them through... it was Okay, so my wife at the time... She was having a, a lesbian uh, relationship with a woman who was a girlfriend of one of these jock characters. And through that connection, we had a meeting in Heart 5 in Tucson. I show up there with Rosetti, one of my bouncers. This is a guy who was big, who Wildman just threw around like he was a teddy bear. He's strapped with a gun. My wife's there, she's hammering the GHB. And um, we go through to a back room. Rossetti slips in this bar behind me and this back room's got loads of people in it. There's a, there's a shorter stocky guy called a Spaniard and he's a six and a half foot guy, muscle head. He tells everybody to get the fuck out of the room and off the sofa. So we sit down. I was high on GHB, um, crystal meth, God knows what else. So I figured these guys, fa- I don't know who they are yet. And I'm thinking these guys, are, you know, they've heard of me English on, you have to act a bit crazy. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a nerd, I'm a business graduate. I've got anxiety, but on drugs, I went to the other extreme, party animal. So I've got this false bravery from the drugs. So I remember that my grandfather, Fred, he used to squeeze my leg just above the knee and make me jump. So as I'm sitting down, I squeezed both the legs just above the knee and made them jump. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. So uh, what happened was we have a conversation. I say, Look, I've got my thing locked down, I'm getting these pills from Holland. And then, you know, towards the middle of the conversation, they said, why don't you start selling pills for us? I said, well, I've got a good reputation. I'm not selling those colored pills you guys have got. I've got white pills, pure stuff. Big guy jumps up. He's like, who the fuck are you? Disrespecting our pills. One call to Jimmy Moran. That was Sammy the Bull's fake name. And we can have you taken out to the desert. And Jimmy Moran was Sammy the Bull. He explained it was Sammy the Bull. So I don't know if these guys are full of shit or they're just throwing that name out there or what. But um, I tell Rossetti on the way out and Rossetti's like, you know, this is heavy man. Cause we knew about Sammy the bull from the news conspiracy to murder almost two dozen people. What happened was some of a click from Sammy, the bull's crew lured my top sales guy skinner to a nightclub and knocked his teeth out and took all his drugs and all his money and everything. And that's when the war broke out with those guys. Now, Sammy the Bull said he'd never heard of me. The trolls, um, you know, worked him up and asked him, did you heard about Atwood? Maybe he hadn't. If you sort of go to Sammy the Bull, have you heard of Sean Atwood, a news journalist in the UK? How the hell is he going to put that together with the English crime family in Arizona working behind the scenes from the shadows and nobody knew who they were? He wouldn't have known who I was. There's just no way. And he probably wouldn't have even known what was going on in the streets because his extent of his involvement in the ecstasy business was... He was wiretapped, giving money to his son to invest in the XC business. That's all his involvement was. So he wouldn't have known. But, but Gerard Gravano told me in prison, he had been dispatched one night to snatch me from a nightclub. It was a gay bar, actually, called um The Works in Central Phoenix, and kidnapped me and take me out to the desert. He told me that fact. So... A stripper had seen me and Wildman and Wildwoman. Wild Wildwoman tells this story on the podcast that's coming out, the three-hour one soon. Wildwoman said she, there was a bad vibe. Everyone started looking at us, and they were like, we need to leave. And I was all high on ecstasy and giggling and shit. So the Wild Ones pulled me out of there. Gerard Gravano's armed crew arrived just minutes after we had left that nightclub. So there was almost a flare-up. Well, I had the New Mexican Mafia had my back and it was their lawyer we used, which ended up our United Front got us decent sentences. So at some point or other, G-Dog, my New Mexican Mafia connection, he ended up in a cell with Gerard Gravano and Gerard Gravano was bad mouth in the English family. And G-Dog set him straight. But Gerard Gravano told me his life story. I've I've, I've heard everything that he's been through. And um, I absolutely sympathize. I mean, imagine growing up, with your dad, a mafia hitman, and all the drama that they went through as kids. And today, Gerard Gavano is a good family man. He's doing the right thing. He's not gone back to crime. He's, he's a chef. The family have got restaurants. They're advertising their products. And you know, you asked me before about doing interviews. Who would I like to do in an interview? I'd like to sit down with Sammy the Bull and Gerard Gavano and interview them. I would even fly them out to London and do that. I would, I'd absolutely love to do that. Yeah. So, like I said, I've got nothing but respect for Michael Francis and Sammy the Bull's YouTube channels. They are my go-to channels for, for Matthew stories.
0: Fantastic, Sean. Uh, not quite the four and a half hours I did with you, but uh, certainly <laughs> ran, <laughs> up, ran over the hour that we agreed on. Um, yeah. I just want to... Uh, Jack's Jack's... Uh, they're called Operation Sears. Uh, the Sears tried and tested and a breed apart. You can get them all on Amazon or uh, get yourself onto www.badboysbooks.net. And don't forget... Uh, Guardfly uh, um, have also done the audio books for uh, a lot of my books, so you can get onto, uh, onto Amazon. Um, available on Audible. Great, great books on this show now for easy listening. The sales books.
1: I hope to see some of you at six on Patreon.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Uh, please give a shout out to the, uh, to the sponsors Spider VPN uh, for all your internet security. Uh, they are the guys to trust. Just Google Spider VPN and they will come up. And uh, at the top of the Google search list, and uh, big thanks to them. And to skipsandbins.com, telephone 0800 25 45 25 3, email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website www.skipsandbins.com, easy contact, free, and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Uh, qtechshop.co.uk, uh, also big shout-out to them, and get well soon, John, who is still in hospital with covid Uh, Get well soon, mate Hopefully uh, you will be back on your feet very soon And a jab signature I know John was in the chat today uh, For doing all of our flyers Get yourself onto our website NUFCMatters.com You can buy all the memorabilia and merchandise there And if you're feeling in a charitable charitable mood Get yourself onto NUFCFansFoodBank.co.uk Please make a donation into the Match Day Bucket Uh, That goes directly to the Food Bank in Newcastle And you uh, enter into the prize draw to win this one-off watch uh, the winner of that will be drawn at the NUFC 24 hour charity pool night in Newcastle on Friday the 6th of August at midday uh, I've also got a cracking interview coming up at the weekend Saturday uh, I interviewed last night Kelly Maloney uh, Fascinating interview, fascinating person I've known Kelly for many many years uh, through the boxing game Obviously I did 7 years unlicensed I'm now 10 years into the pro game Uh, but that is a fascinating interview I did uh, last night, and uh, that will be going up on the channel on Saturday. Sean, uh, last chance, uh, just to to plug your books, uh, in particular these two, Hard Time and Prison Time, available on Amazon, and you're going live at 6 o'clock tonight, mate.
1: Yeah, I've got 15 books out there on uh, Amazon Worldwide, live tonight at 6pm on Patreon, free for everyone, and tomorrow night at 9pm I'm going live on Chris Thrall's channel, great guy. I've seen him rise up rapidly on YouTube like you, Steve. Both you guys doing phenomenal work. And, again, appreciate you having me back, my back in the last week during all the bullshit that went on.
0: No, brilliant stuff, mate. Please subscribe to the channel. Any new visitors, click uh, Newcastle Legends in the bottom right-hand corner. And, uh, Sean Atwood, thank you very much, mate. Nice to be able to uh, to turn the tables. I'm going to play out uh, with uh, the trailer for my new documentary, which is out on the 27th of September. Uh, get yourself uh, onto this uh, later in the year. Take care, Sean.
1: All right, thanks, Steve. Love and
0: respect. Hostilities will end officially at one minute after midnight tonight, Tuesday the 8th of May. In post-war London, two promising boxers thrived as they rose from the ashes to become the most feared brothers in British criminal history. But in 1969, they were both sentenced to life in prison. This is the
1: story of a young man's friendship with them in their final years. His friendship with Ronnie and Reggie Cray.
0: They were associating with celebrities, you know, beautiful woman on Reggie's arm. They drove fast cars. They were involved in bars and nightclubs. It epitomized everything that an influential 15-year-old man on Townside would really want in life. They fascinated a lot of people. Wow, I've had a letter from Reggie Cray. You know, it was like a prized possession. He did say, I'd like you to go and see Ron. When well, I think that instills a fear into somebody when, you know, right. anybody's capable of doing something extreme. He turns to me and says, I need you to get rid of Kate. I knew I was sitting in front of someone who was a serious, serious character. They weren't bothered who they and they were just prepared to go the full hog. You get killed, there's no easy way out of that one, you get killed. Of course, they were feared that there's two sides to every story. They were from an era where they could be absolutely ruthless. The thing
1: about the bad guy is he never knows he's the villain of the piece. He thinks he's doing right,
0: no matter what he does. But had they been out and people been able to see him, no one would have respected that. I'm close to getting out Four and a half decades. It's gonna take me six weeks to visit all the fucking graves. <laughs>